tonight, um, we're going to continue talking about the Godhead. Um, and we're going to talk about the Holy Ghost. Um, and it's going to be cool. That's okay, it doesn't matter. Um, so I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to jump into it. Is that cool? Yes. Uh, all right, well, Dad, we just come before you right now in the name of Jesus, and I thank you so much for your presence here. Your presence is the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Ghost. Um, and we just thank you for what your word says about the third member of the Godhead. I thank you that your spirit is alive and well, and it is powerful. And so I just ask that you would use your Holy Spirit to just guide this uh, teaching and this conversation. And we love you. In Jesus' Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Uh, in Jesus' Holy Spirit. <laughs> in Jesus' Holy Spirit, name we pray. Amen. All right. That so, was really into um, I'm not a prayer perfectionist, which is a good thing, I think. Um, It's really hard to be a prayer perfectionist when you're actually listening to God and what he's saying. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, people, I, I find that the people who jump around with their nouns of who God is don't actually know God and they're not listening. But when you can take a second in the silence and actually, you actually trust and know who you're talking to, your prayers change. Mm -hmm. There's power behind them. Mm -hmm. Because you trust the Father hears you. He's going to send His Word or Jesus to let you know what's going on. And then the Holy Spirit will be there to confirm it and back it up. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to talk about some of that tonight. And I'll just be honest with you guys. I'm going to be relying on the Holy Ghost a lot to talk to us about the Holy Ghost. Because I have a lot of, <laughs> I have a lot of really great stuff on here. Um, but as I was typing this out, I really, I really typed this out in faith because I just didn't feel anything as I was typing it out. You know how like sometimes you're, you're learning something or you're typing something out that you're just excited about. And you know it's going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. A lot of great information on here. I didn't feel jack squat as I was typing it up. In fact, there are parts of me like researching this and typing it up where I just felt like garbage and I just didn't want to do it. And I'm telling you this because a lot of the times, especially in charismatic and Pentecostal circles, we think about the Holy Spirit as the big, warm, and fuzzy. And that's not who He is. Sometimes He will produce those things, but if you have to feel Him to know that He's there, then you're not walking in faith and you don't actually trust Him. And if that's the case, then the warm and fuzzy that you're feeling isn't Him in the first place. And it will lead you astray in the long run. And in fact, as we dive into the scriptures and we, we look into this, we're going to be sitting in um, Isaiah 11 for a long time Amen. because there are seven attributes of the Holy Spirit here that I want to talk about, and none of them have to do with your feelings at all. <clears throat> in fact, most of them have to do with your mind, <laughs> which I think is really amazing. Um, because if you can get your mind screwed on straight, you get your head screwed on straight, then the, everything else will follow. Amen. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if you were coming here tonight looking for explanations about the warm fuzzies that you feel during worship or if you're falling out in the spirit or any of those things, you're not going to find it. Um, I want you guys full of faith. I want you guys full of truth. I want you guys to know what the word says. And I don't want to BS you. And I don't want to get you high on some emotion that's going to fade and you're going to wonder where God is at and why he isn't meeting your faith. Mm -hmm. Because if you're on a spiritual high then it's not faith, it's a feeling. Mm -hmm. And feelings and faith are two different things. Mm -hmm. And too often we have confused the two and we've called it the Holy Spirit. Mm. And it's not. Is that cool? Mm -hmm. Faith is a good thing. And when you stand in faith, he backs you up. Because mm -hmm. I didn't know I was going to say any of that. <laughs> None of that is in my notes. But I just want to show you guys, like, that's how the Holy Spirit works. He leads you in all truth and understanding. Um, a most basic way to look at the Holy Spirit is as the power of God manifested on the earth. Alright, if you go back to Genesis and you look at Genesis 1, it says, In the beginning, 
God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the waters of the deep. All right? I can't tell you how many times I've read those verses. They're amazing verses. The Holy Spirit was there the entire time. He wasn't some magical piece of God that got created later on. Um, he was not added to Scripture like some Jewish people believe. Um, he was there the whole time. And when God created Adam and Eve, he said, let us create them in our image. Right? There's plural there. So, just as we discovered last week, Jesus was in the Old Testament and was there in the beginning. So was the Holy Spirit. Alright? We're not going to spend a lot of time there in the beginning because I want to talk about the here and now and what the Holy Spirit is responsible for here and now. Because I think that is not more important um, by any means, but I think it's the most prevalent. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So let's go to uh, Isaiah 11, and we're going to start in verse 2. Um, we're going to look at some of the titles of the Holy Spirit. This is an excellent passage of Scripture. Um, there's so much information here about who the Spirit of the Lord is. In order to accurately see him in the New Testament and what he's doing for us here and now, because Jesus has a lot to say about him in the Gospels, we have to see what God said about him in the Old Testament. Because there are a lot of references to the Spirit of the Lord coming upon a person, but never living inside of them. And God did a lot of mighty things in the Old Testament when he rested upon people. How much more powerful is he now that he lives inside of you? Right? Um, and... I just feel like I need to say this too. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a he, not a she. Um, there is no person of the Godhead that is ever known as a female. And I'm not saying that to dog females at all. Um, God created male and female in his image. But when we talk about God, we have to get our pronouns right. Because God is not transgender. Alright? Um, and I don't mean that as an insult to transgender people. If you want to know my opinions about that later, we can talk about it. Um, but God is not transgender. He does not change who he is. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And just because God said in the Old Testament and Proverbs that we need to seek after the spirit of wisdom, which is the title of the Holy Spirit, as if it was a female, he was not calling the Holy Spirit a female. He was speaking to Solomon and to the men and the kings at that time who were very lustful, and he was saying to them, the same way that you chase after women, you need to chase after my wisdom. Mm -hmm. That's what he was saying there. Okay? Um, the shack has a lot of great metaphors in it, if you can sift through the bones, but the Holy Spirit is not a female and does not <coughs> manifest himself as a female. Alright? Um, so, now that I've stepped on some golden calves, let's look at Isaiah, Isaiah 2, because I think it's a pretty good example an explanation of who the Holy Spirit is as defined by the Old Testament. Um, going through this, these verses, or this one particular verse, you'll see that there are seven aspects of the Holy Spirit here. Um, some people have even gone as far to say that the Holy Spirit is a sevenfold spirit. I don't necessarily know what that means. He's one spirit. He just has different attributes, just like we're... I'm one person, but I have a lot of different sides to me, right? Um, and in order to get a full picture of who the Holy Spirit is, we have to be able to see all seven parts of him. So who wants to read verse 2 for me? I will. Go for it. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. All right. So I'm going to break this down for you guys. All seven parts of the Holy Spirit. One. The Holy Ghost is the Spirit of the Lord. The very first one. A lot of people skip over that, and they think it's not important. It's very important, because if he's not the Spirit of the Lord, then, well, he's not of God. <laughs> and that would be bad if that Spirit came upon you, right? Um, and after I break these down, I'm going to, well, after I show you guys how all seven of them, we're going to break them down. The Holy Ghost is the Spirit of Wisdom. Is number two. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of understanding, number three. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of counsel, number four. 
The Holy Ghost is the spirit of might. He is the spirit of knowledge. And he is the spirit of the fear of the Lord. So there are seven attributes to the Holy Spirit here. You guys see that? Sometimes it's a little hard because there's a lot of ands in there. But there are seven aspects to him. So let's start at the beginning. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of the Lord. The word Lord here is Yehovah, which, as we know from Matt's teaching last week, for you guys that were here, that is Jesus in the Old Testament. Yehovah is. Um, so, that's pretty important, right? I'm not going to get too much into that because I want to break down the rest of it, but I will say that in the New Testament, it says that anybody who is not of Christ is against Christ, right? Yeah. So, and it's very, the, the plainest way that I can say this is the, the Holy Spirit is first and foremost a spirit of the Lord, or is the spirit of the Lord. And this is one of the most important parts of who he is, because if he was not the spirit of the Lord, then he would be somebody else's spirit. And we're supposed to test every spirit, and the spirits of the Lord are antichrist spirits, and we should not trust them, right? That's what it says in 1 John 4. Amen. So, very important. Um, but also, very plain, which I like. I don't have to break that down a lot, you know? Um, two, the Holy Ghost is the spirit of wisdom. Um, the word for wisdom here, if you guys like the Strong's Concordance, is uh, Shakma or Hakma, I think. It's H2451 in the Strong's, and it means wise and skillful in war, administrative or governments, and religious affairs. Um, I got three Bible verses. Who wants to read them for me? Give me some hands. Uh, Elijah, go to Psalm 144, verse 1. Caitlin, go to 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And Ariel, go to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8 for me, please. Elijah, whenever you're ready, you can go. Uh, 144, verse 1. Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Cool. So, how does, the war, how does the Lord train our hands for war? Through His Holy Spirit. Right? Because one of the definitions of this word wisdom is being wise and skillful in the ways of war. I think that this is very important because when it comes to knowing how to battle the enemy and how to win, you can't do it on your own. I know, I've tried. And my natural understanding of things never measures up, ever. And even if it does, even if it's like the knowledge of the Lord, Without the Holy Spirit empowering that and empowering my actions, it's all just self-righteous. Amen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we have to have the Holy Spirit there training our hands for war and leading and guiding our hands. Right? Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. What translation is that? Oh, and I didn't. Sorry. No, it's okay. Triggered. I wasn't triggered. I was just curious. <laughs> this time, I've been working on some things. Okay. Through the power of the Holy Ghost. Here's, here's yeah. New King James. Alright. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Cool. So one of the definitions that we saw here for wisdom um, was administration. Uh, some translations say governments, and in fact, that's part of the part of the definition too, is wisdom in governments. Um, we need that. And in fact, when you look at 1 Corinthians 12 as a whole, the chapter starts off with saying, Brothers, I desire that you would not... Um, what is it? I desire that you would have full knowledge of spiritual things, including spiritual gifts. So we see that these gifts of helps, administrations, and governments are from who? The Holy Ghost, right? Ariel, will you read uh, 
First Corinthians twelve eight for me. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. Cool. So the Holy Spirit gives the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge, right? In order to have a word of wisdom, you need the Holy Spirit's wisdom, Amen. or else it doesn't work, yeah. <laughs> right? And uh, later on this year, we're going to jump into spiritual gifts, and it's going to be really cool. We'll define what the word of wisdom is, because it isn't just like wisdom in the way that we think it is. Um, but for tonight, what I want you to see is that the Holy Ghost is the spirit of wisdom. And that wisdom doesn't just include like looking smart or intelligent in front of people. It does not include looking like a genius. Because when you study out the word genius and how it originated, it actually means that it's someone so hyper-intelligent that they're possessed by a spirit. Yeah, that's, the, that's how that word originated. Yeah, so I don't like using that word. So the Holy Spirit... No, right? It's weird. <laughs> People don't think about things anymore. Anyway, <laughs> um, the Holy Ghost is a spirit of wisdom. And it's good wisdom. It's godly wisdom. All right? The third thing that the Holy Ghost is, is the Holy Ghost is the spirit of understanding. So the word for understanding in the Hebrew is uh, a word I can't pronounce. I can tell you what number it is in the Strong's Concordance, though. And it's or a number I can't pronounce, a, a name that I can't pronounce, a word I cannot pronounce. <laughs> And it is H998. And the word legitimately means discernment. Which I think is really cool. Mm -hmm. Because understanding isn't just your ability to like comprehend. comprehend. It's your ability to discern what is happening around you. Yeah. Right? First um, Corinthians 12.10. Uh, Ariel, will you read that one for me since you're already there? Sure. Just go down two verses. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse, well, I mean, it's missing the E, but we'll, all right, kinds of tongues. <laughs> <laughs> Old English, man. <laughs> to another the interpretation of tongues. All right, so we see here that the gift of discerning of spirits is a gift of the Holy Ghost, right? One of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. It takes discernment to be able to discern the spirits, which means it takes understanding. Um, the other thing that I find really interesting about discernment is, especially in Pentecostal and Prismatic circles, everybody's discerning all these spirits and they only see the bad stuff. True discernment isn't just discerning the bad stuff. Mm -hmm. It's discerning the bad stuff, understanding the bad stuff, and knowing how to bring good out of it. Most people, I won't say most, I've been to a lot of places where people don't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. They only see the bad, they only call out the bad, they're only willing to focus on the bad, and mm -hmm. then they wonder why God never does anything. Mm -hmm. Doesn't make sense. If it's true discernment, then you'll see the bad, you'll understand it, you'll know how to resolve it and bring in the good. Because if you're truly resolving it, then the Holy Spirit is there with you, and He's the Spirit of God and God is good. Can't be anything else, right? Amen. So, um, I think that's really important. This is one of my favorite attributes about the Holy Spirit. Number four is that He is the Spirit of Counsel. I am partial to this because my name means uh, Counselor King. That's what Ronald means, and I like that. And uh, I think it's amazing how our names play into our personalities and who we are. Um, and I'm very happy with my name. But this word counsel in the Hebrew is, in the Strong's again, it's, it's H6098. I'm not going to try to pronounce this at all. There are commas and, not commas, apostrophes after things <laughs> in this word. And it, it just looks real strange. So... Um, but it is defined as advice, a plan, advisement, counselor, or purpose. Um, let's go to 1 Corinthians 2.11. Who wants to read that for me? Anybody? Do it. <laughs> Elijah, you can go to John 14.26 if you really want to All right. For what man knows the things 
of a man save the spirit of a man which is in him. Even so, the things of God knows no man but the spirit of God. All right. <laughs> we had this conversation last week too. All right, so I want you guys to see something here from this verse. The only person who knows the things that are in God's mind at all times is the Spirit of God, which is the Holy Ghost. So unless you are connected to the Holy Spirit, you don't know jack squat about what's going on in God's mind. Mm-hmm. So don't believe the New Age hype, okay? Okay. <laughs> Um, but the, the other thing the other thing that I want to point out is that one of the definitions of this word counsel in Hebrew is purpose and the only way to discover your purpose in the Lord is to be connected to the Holy Ghost Amen. I will tell you something that I've met a lot of people who have a deep love for Jesus and when they pray all they do is talk to Jesus which It's good that you talk to Jesus. It's better that you talk to the Father because when you talk to the Father, you include all three parts of the Godhead. Jesus said, when I leave, don't talk to me anymore. Pray to my Father in heaven using my name. And your prayers will be heard and they will be answered. How do they get answered? Well, you talk to the Father who is good and he only gives good and perfect gifts, right? And then Jesus, the Word of God, comes in and he speaks to you. How does he speak to you? through the Holy Spirit. And then what happens? The Holy Spirit moves on the Father's behalf for you. See how easy that is? If you just would pray to the right person of the Godhead? Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. A lot of people talk to Jesus about a lot of things, trying to discover their purpose, and then they wander. They wander everywhere. And then they wonder why they don't have a purpose. Well, I'll tell you. It's because they're not talking to the right person of the Godhead so they're not getting the right prayers answered and they just don't know what's happening. I've also met a lot of people who understand their purpose because they pray to the Holy Ghost, which scripture never tells us to do, but it's good to be in communion. It's kind of an extra biblical thing. I'm not going to get into that right now, but I will tell you that a lot of them understand their purpose. They get their purpose, but for some reason they never achieve it. Why? Because the Father isn't there to back them up. All they know is the Holy Ghost. Without the Holy Ghost, you'll never discover your purpose. However, without a relationship with the Father, the Holy Ghost isn't going to back it up. Does that make sense? That's why you need Him and you need His counsel. Um, John 14, 28. Did I give that to Elijah? You You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. You love me and you would rejoice because I said, I am going to the Father, and my Father is greater than I. Read that one more time for me. <coughs> you have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said, I am going with my Father, for my Father is greater than I. Oh no, I think I messed up my reference. It's 1426. You said 1426 first, and then you said 1426. Um, which, what better way to help somebody than to comfort them, right? Um, the word comforter is parakalitos in the Greek, and it's G3875. The Strong's Concordance defines it as an intercessor, a counselor, an advocate, and a comforter. The biblical usage of the word adds that this word means one who pleads another another's cause before a judge, a pleader, counsel for defense, legal assistant, an advocate of the Holy Ghost destined to take the place of Christ with the apostles to lead them to a deeper knowledge of the gospel truth and give them divine strength needed to enable them to undergo trials and persecutions on behalf of 
of the divine kingdom. I really like that. I think that that is super powerful. Um, because Jesus said that the one who is coming after him is greater than he. Amen. And I don't think that means greater as in like the Holy Spirit is greater than Jesus. You know, yeah. the Godhead is equal. Jesus makes that abundantly clear in several scriptures. But what I think it means is that he's better for us in the here and now. Yeah. Because he's that empowerment to do what needs to be done. Because um, the Holy Spirit works through us. Jesus yeah. can't work through us. Exactly. That's why there's more power. That's why there, he's, he's, it's what's, what we're going to see is greater because he's working through us. Yeah. But God, Jesus was there and the Holy Spirit's here. Yep. And we're going to get into more of that in a little bit later. Um, so... One of the things I want to talk about here, though, when it comes to this definition, is one who pleads another's cause before a judge, a pleader, counsel for defense, an illegal, a legal assistant, and an advocate. Um, it says in Scripture that Jesus is an advocate, an advocate that we have who sits at the right hand of the Father, pleading our case before the Father, which is really cool. Uh, I would like to propose that the Holy Spirit is the one who pleads our case to ourselves. Amen. Because how often do we sit in accusation towards ourselves and not know where to go? But as soon as we tune in, right, to what the Father is saying, what happens? He comes to our defense even when we're thinking the worst about ourselves. So we've got Jesus up with the Father. Not that Jesus has to say much because the Father already believes the best about us. But then we've got the Holy Spirit here with us, helping us to battle against the enemy's accusations Amen. so that we see the best in ourselves too. I think when I was doing research, this is, this is like the one thing that I thought was like the most powerful um, because accusation is something that I've been going up against a lot lately. Um, not from anyone in particular, mostly just self-accusation, you know, because mm. sometimes the enemy is just a butt like that, so. I feel <laughs> <laughs> um, John 16, verse 8, who wants to read that for me? Anybody? Do it. Do it. Oh, I gotta get there first. All right. 16, 16 verse 8. Actually, uh, start in verse 7, 7 through 8. John 16:7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Keep reading to 11. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and ye see me no more. Of judgment, because the Prince of this world is judged. Amen. All right, cool. Um, I want to address a heresy that I've seen in the church. Okay. <laughs> it has been brought in. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. I have heard a heresy that the Holy Spirit no longer convicts Christians of sin. I don't know what church you've been going to. They don't have any. I'm, well, yeah. But I'm telling you, that is a heresy that I've heard. Um, I have heard that the Holy Spirit only shows Christians the righteousness that they're supposed to walk in. But if you only ever see the righteousness that you're supposed to walk in, that's like Febreze and trash. You never take the trash out. It's still trash. It's still piling up. It still doesn't look good. Eventually, the bad smell pushes through all of that Febreze. So you might be acting righteous for a little while, but it's all outward because you don't fix anything in your heart. Right? And people will use this set of verses to say, that he doesn't convict Christians of sin. And they'll use verse 9 and they'll say, Of sin because they believe not on me. I want to ask you guys something. Are there areas of your life where you don't believe Jesus? Or God? Or the Word of God? Let's be honest. Yeah. Who has an area like that in their life? Yeah. You wouldn't be struggling <laughs> if you believed everything the Bible said, would you? Right. You might be persecuted yeah. by non-believers, but as far as your own faith goes, it would be perfect in that moment, and you would have all the blessings of God at your disposal, right? Like, honestly, 
So let me ask you something. Of sin, because they believe not of me, we all have areas like that, and that means the Holy Spirit probably convicts us of sins, doesn't he? Now, are we listening? I hope so. But if our hearts are hardened, then, well, (laughs) good luck listening. Right? Because we need to have a soft heart. We need to have a humble heart. Um, The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. All of them. You know why? Let me ask you guys something. Have you ever had a thought? You do something bad and immediately you're like, dang it. I can't believe I just did that. That was a sin. Whatever it was. What I should have done was the right thing. Righteousness. Now that I've done this bad thing, something bad is probably going to happen to me. Somebody's going to find out. I'm going to be punished for it. What does that sound like? Judgment. Man. Sounds like wisdom. Sounds like you can learn from that mistake, doesn't it? Amen. So, the Holy Spirit doesn't convict us of sin or judgment. I've also heard people say that the Holy Spirit doesn't convict us of judgment because of verse 11 where it says, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. We're convicted of judgment when we act like the prince of this world. Because Jesus wants us to be sons of our Father in heaven, not sons of the devil. Yeah, that's good. That makes sense? Yeah. And the judgment of the Holy Ghost is not condemning. Alright? It's empowering. Because it shows you that you can change. I, I want to I clear it up. Like, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is not condemnation. Amen. And it nev- never leaves you feeling like you're worthless. Amen. It's always empowering you to make the right decisions which is why righteousness is right in the middle of it, because it holds the other two together. Right? They're still good. God is able to work all things together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purposes. Right? Yeah. All things. Cool? Alright. Uh, number five. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of might. This word in Hebrew is... Not something I'm going to pronounce either, but it is H1369, if you're interested in looking it up. Um, And it means, or is defined as, a force, valor, victory, mastery, mighty in act or power, strength. I like that definition a lot. Because it shows that with the Holy Spirit, we are not weak. Um, I said this earlier, but the Holy Spirit can be seen as the power of God. When you study out the beginning where God created everything, you'll see that the Father thought it, the Son spoke it, and the Holy Spirit carried out the actions in order to create everything. Um, When you look at 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14, um, actually, let's just go there. Who wants to read that for me? Go for it, Chelsea. That's 2 Corinthians 2.14? Yes, sir. Am I missing Bible verses? Dang it. You're reading out of the NIV again, aren't you? I must be. <laughs> I must be. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. That's what I want. All right. Uh, Chris, you want to read that again for us? Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and make manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Alright, so this Bible verse says that the Holy Spirit causes us to triumph or have victory in all situations. That means that you will always win. Faith means you will always win. You may not always feel it. It may not always look like a victory in the natural. But the Bible says, and I believe, that we will triumph in all situations. Amen. Because God works all things together for our good. Right? Yeah. But it's only by the Holy Spirit. 
1 um, Corinthians 4.20 says, let's see, what does that say? Matt, are you already there? Yep. All right, go for it. Uh, 4.20, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. I want to give you a brief explanation of this word power in the New Testament. I, will, I don't remember what number it is, but I can tell you that it is the word uh, dunamis in the Greek. And it's where we get the word dynamite from. So the Holy Spirit is dunamis power. It is dynamite power. It is explosive. No matter how small the explosion, it's still explosive. It still packs a punch. It is still mighty. It is still powerful. And it still produces victory. It's a source of strength. Um, and I think, I think that this is really important because too often we go through life feeling like victims. Man. And we're not. First John says that we will overcome everything that the enemy throws at us if we stay faithful. If we stay trusting. And the only way you can do that is through the power of the Holy Ghost. Right? Um, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of knowledge. And the Hebrew word is da'ath, which is H1847 in the Strong's. And it means knowledge, cunning, and perception. Um, in John 14, it says that the Holy Spirit reminds us of all truth and knowledge that we possess. He's not going to remind you of things that you don't know because you don't know them. So how can he remind you? Mm-hmm. So this is really important when it comes to your knowledge. You keep growing in it. You keep asking questions. You keep digging into the Word. And if you're into theology like I am, you, you keep learning and you keep looking into things. And you ask the Holy Spirit to show you where the truth is, show you where the knowledge is, and show you what to take and what to throw away. Right? He is the spirit of knowledge because he shows you what is good what, good, what good information you can take in and make a part of yourself, and what is bad so that you can throw it away. Um, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8, we read this earlier that the Spirit, when He's divvying up our spiritual gifts, He gives one a word of wisdom and He gives the other one a word of knowledge. You can only gain this knowledge through the Holy Spirit, right? Because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of knowledge. Um, and then the final thing, the final attribute of the Holy Spirit, before I get into the rest of what I kind of want to talk about tonight as far as the Holy Ghost goes, is... The Holy Spirit is the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Uh, this is really important because Proverbs 9 verse 10 says that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Mm. And then when you look at Proverbs 1 7, it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So these two attributes of the Holy Spirit, wisdom and knowledge and how they coexist together, yeah. only exist when you have a healthy fear of the Lord and you only gain that through the Holy Ghost. But I will tell you that this word fear here, H3374, in this context, all right, it does have another definition, and that definition is fear or dread or terror. Um, but in this context, specifically, it is referring to a reverence and respect towards God. But I will tell you that if God ever turned his back on you, there would be a lot of dread and there would be a lot of terror. Thank God <laughs> that we will endure until the end Amen. so that the only fear of the Lord we have to have is that holy reverence. Yeah. Right? Um, so, those are all great aspects of the Holy Ghost, right? Um, some of this is might be a little bit drier than what we wanted it to be from the Holy Ghost because a lot of the times people who are talking about the Holy Ghost, they go off and they... They just get really out there. Like, I'll just put it that way. They just get really out there. Because I don't want to dishonor anybody. But what I want you guys to see is that when it comes to your faith, when it comes to relating to the Holy Ghost, almost everything we talked about tonight had, actually, none of anything we talked about tonight as far as the seven attributes of the Holy Spirit goes had anything to do with your feelings whatsoever. Whatsoever. And in fact, in the New Testament, for some strange reason, or at least in this, in 
modern day New Testament, not not in the beginning New Testament, but in this modern day of New Testament, oftentimes when we think about prophets and how connected they are to the Holy Ghost, we think that they're over emotional. When we think about people who prophesy, we think that they're over emotional. They just feel so many things. But they only prophesy if they're prophesying correctly through the Holy Spirit. Right. And the Holy Spirit, in all of this context that we've looked at, and when you look at other prophets of the Old Testament, the best prophets of the Old Testament, none of them were over emotional. All of them had their feelings in check all the time. <laughs> Got an amen from the resident prophet. Good. <laughs> So I want to challenge you guys. If you really want to get to know the Holy Ghost, read your Bible. If you really want to get to know the Holy Ghost, interact with Him with your mind. Emotions will line up. Scientifically speaking, there is not one feeling that you can ever have without without a thought preceding it. Which means if you can get your head wrapped around things, which when we look at the attributes of the Holy Spirit here, let's look at it. Let's look at it one more time. He's the Spirit of the Lord, right? Which, the Lord, Jesus, the Word of God. Where does the Word of God go? How do you process the Word of God? Mind, right? He is the Spirit of wisdom. How do you process wisdom? Mind. He is the Spirit of understanding. How do you understand things? First, with your mind. And then with your heart. Cameron. He is the spirit of counsel. How do you get counsel? Through words, right? And you have to process with your brain. With your thoughts. Mm-hmm. He is the spirit of might. Alright? That means victory, right? That means strength. So that has to do more with your physical body than it does with any of your emotions. He is the spirit of knowledge. Where does knowledge go? In your head. And he is the spirit of the fear of the Lord. If any of these have anything to do with your feelings, it's the spirit of the fear of the Lord, right? Which is a holy reverence. And don't, don't like, read into what I'm not saying. I'm not saying emotions are bad. I'm not saying that you cannot have them. Please have them. They are great indicators of what is going on in your life. But what I am saying is do not rely on them as fact. Okay? Good. So here's the thing I really want to talk about. This is the thing I was the most excited about. And now that I've kind of gotten this out of my system, I'm really excited to talk about this. Let's go to Romans 14, verse 17. How much time do I have left? So I've been talking for about 40 minutes. I'm going to try to make this quick. I feel like I just want to end on like a high note, okay? Can we just do that? Can we end on a high note? Are you guys cool if I talk a little bit longer? Yeah, that's fine. All right. I feel like it's been a while since I've actually been home to teach. So I feel like I just kind of have to... I mean, it it is your house. (laughs) That's true. It is my house. You can tell as long as you want. Yeah. <laughs> We're stuck here now. <laughs> All right. Um, first, or not First Corinthians, Romans 14, verse 17. That's where we're going to be. Romans 14, 17. You guys ready? I'm so excited about this part. For the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. This is where I really wanted to get to tonight. Because once you guys understand how much the Holy Spirit wants to interact with your mind, because the Bible says to meditate on the Word of God day and night, right? You begin to see something. You begin to see these things in the Bible. In context, Paul is writing this and he's like, you know, don't cause your brothers to stumble by what you're eating and what you're drinking. And then he kind of ends this little rant by saying, for the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So if you want to really act like Jesus on the earth, have righteousness, peace, and joy. I want to I wanna show you guys something here for a second, okay? This is why I love the Holy Spirit. This is why I like to say that he is the power of God here on the earth. He is that dunamis power. He's that dynamite power, right? For the kingdom of God, I want you guys to remember that. For the kingdom of God is, all right, 
Let's skip the meat and drink. Let's skip the righteousness, peace, and joy. The kingdom of God is in the Holy Ghost. Mm. The kingdom of God is in the Holy Ghost. It manifests itself as righteousness, peace, and joy, but the kingdom of God is in the Holy Ghost. And where does the Holy Ghost live? In us. The kingdom is in you. Jesus said, the Pharisees came to him and said, Jesus, if you're the king, if you're the Messiah, where's the kingdom of God? And Jesus said, the kingdom of God is in you. I want you guys to see this because this is really important when it comes to your life. The reason why that verse, uh, Isaiah 11 verse 2, talks about the Holy Spirit being the spirit of might. That spirit of victory, that spirit of power and of strength is because the kingdom of God is in the Holy Ghost. Amen. The kingdom of God is in the Holy Ghost. And where does the Holy Ghost live? Know ye not that you were bought with a price, that you are a temple of God, and the Holy Spirit resides inside of you. Yes. What does that mean? The kingdom of God is in you. Yeah. If you read through Genesis 28, which I love, it's about Jacob. He has this dream. He falls asleep on this rock, and some people might think that he hit his head pretty hard on that rock when he fell asleep. But he ends up having this dream where he sees this ladder descending from heaven, and upon it he sees angels ascending and descending. And when he wakes up, he says, Surely this is the house of God, a gateway to heaven. What's another name for a house? Temple. A temple. Who is the temple of the Holy Ghost? We are. And I think that that's amazing because if we are the temple of the Holy Ghost and the kingdom of heaven is in the Holy Ghost and the house of God is a gateway to heaven, well then, that means we have the ability to give heaven to each and every person we meet. Yes. And it starts with us. Yes. What I mean by that is we need to get ourselves sanctified Amen. so that we're okay, so that we can help others be okay. And I want to show you something in this verse, too. We're going to sit in verse 17 for a little bit. The power of God is manifested as righteousness. All right? So the kingdom of God is manifested first as righteousness because the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. All right? See, a lot of people are trying to have joy and they're trying to have peace without righteousness. And that's not how life works. Amen. Yeah. All right? You cannot bypass this righteousness, this step of righteousness in your life. If you try to do it, you will fall into counterfeit peace and you will fall into counterfeit joy and you will keep denying the fact that you need to get yourself straight and that's a form of pride. And you know what happens? God comes against pride. Very, very harsh. <laughs> Look, Josiah knows because I've already had this rant with him because, well, you can talk to him about that. But... I want to I I share with you guys. A lot of the times, we think to ourselves, oh, well, the enemy is coming after me so hard in this one area of my life. Sometimes, a lot of times, probably about 80% of the time, all right? But when it comes to that spirit of pride that we interact with, yeah, like the enemy tempts us into pride, but the Bible doesn't say that God goes after a spirit of pride it says that he stands against the proud. So you know what that means? That means that you might be trying to push to get your breakthrough and God keeps saying, you need to humble yourself. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Yeah. Right? Amen. So what happens is because God directly opposes the proud and not just a spirit of pride, he puts his hand in front of you. And he keeps you there. Have you guys ever felt stuck? Yeah. And you just don't know why you're not moving. Mm. And then it's like, man, I just need some help. And you finally humble yourself and you ask for help. And it's like all the doors open at once. Yeah. It's the kingdom of self. It is. It's the yeah. kingdom of self. Yeah. So let's talk about this for a second. The word righteousness here is G1343. I love this word. It means the state in which a man ought to be. That is the condition that is acceptable to God. Amen. 
righteousness, the state in which a man ought to be that is acceptable to God. I love that. You can even back, Jesus even said this. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all these things will be added to you, right? The kingdom of God is in the Holy Ghost. Listen to the Holy Ghost, get righteous, and all these things will be added to you. Isn't that interesting? The Holy Spirit is our helper when it comes to our sanctification process. And through sanctification, we have the fruit of the Spirit. Through sanctification, we have greater access to the gifts of the Spirit. A lot of people are trying to get the gifts of the Spirit without sanctification. And they'll get the gifts of the Spirit if they're going to sit in prayer and in fasting, because that's how they come. But like any good and perfect gift, if it's overused without the character to sustain it, those gifts will destroy you. Think, for instance, the Holy Spirit gives a lot of good gifts. It's kind of like a Swiss Army knife, isn't it? Lots of tools, one little package. Would you give a Swiss Army knife to a four-year-old? No. Why? Yeah, especially since it's got, you know, little knives in it, scissors, screwdrivers. The scissors don't work. They never work. (laughs) Fair enough. Still sharp. Still sharp. All right. But let's let's look at this. All right. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives these spiritual gifts. You could safely give a Swiss Army knife to a 10-year-old who has been trained to properly use it, right? It's a good and perfect gift to that 10-year-old that might be in Boy Scouts and might be learning how to camp and survive in the wilderness. It's a great gift. Great, great gift. But to a four-year-old, even though it's a great gift, it's it's going to do more harm than good because yeah. they're not mature enough to use it. And look, I'm not discouraging spiritual gifts. I love spiritual gifts. I love talking about them. Man, I will talk about them for hours. I love helping people discover them. I love helping people hone their gifts. It's one of my favorite things to do. But I will tell you this. I've trained up a lot of people on how to use their spiritual gifts who weren't mature enough, and they burnt out real quick. Mm. Real, real quick. So I would encourage you, get righteous. (laughs) Please get sanctified. Because you need the fruit of the Spirit to go hand in hand with your spiritual gifts. Because people have to taste and see that the Lord is good. You can pray for somebody to get healed. And man, it might work. But because you're walking in whatever the enemy has you walking in, they're not going to see you as a good person. So they're not going to taste and see that the Lord is good. And then they're going to walk away from fellowship. And that's a dangerous place to be. Right? Cool. So that's my little rant about righteousness. I want to talk about peace and joy real quick, and then we'll we'll kind of end it um, from there. Uh, if you want references about the fruit of the Spirit, look at Galatians 5, 22 through 23. Great verses. Um, but through the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit, um, we manifest righteousness in our lives. And through that righteousness, we can have peace. So the word peace here in this verse is uh, G1515 in the Strong's Concordance, and it means to be prosperous or to be one through quietness and rest. All right? Um, The thing about righteousness is that it puts us at peace with God, ourselves, and others. And with all the talks we had about how the enemy has attacked us, how does he attack us? He attacks us through relationships. He wants to separate us from God, from ourselves, and from the people around us. But what does righteousness do? The kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The first thing righteousness does after you start walking in it and after it becomes manifested in your life is that it brings you to a place of peace with God, with yourself, and with other people. So those relationships get restored. And if they don't, because the enemy has just completely messed it out of whack and he's still working in it, you still have peace. Right? Amen. Um, we can rest and have quietness to our souls 
because the enemy doesn't have a foothold in our lives anymore in those areas, right? The areas of my life where I am righteous are the areas that the enemy isn't allowed to talk to me anymore. And if he is talking, I'm not listening. I've bought in to what God has said, and all of my faith is what God is in what God has said in this area of my life. All of it. The enemy can't convince me otherwise. And that's the place that we want to get to so that we can have peace in those areas, right? Yeah. Um, I will tell you, in my personal life, I have, I have two areas that I, I just know, and the enemy can't tempt me in it anymore at all. And the first one is when it comes to bitterness. Um, I still struggle with a lot of accusation um, and sometimes suspicion and... You know, I, I'm, I, especially when I was younger, not so much anymore, but I used to be one of those people that would imagine worst case scenarios mm. and come up with defenses. I don't do it as much anymore. Praise the Lord. I would be lying if I said that I didn't still do it sometimes and that I wasn't still tempted in those areas. But what I will tell you is that anytime the idea of bitterness and holding a grudge comes up in those accusations, it's immediately shut down and I recognize it. Mm. Yeah. I do not want to be bitter Bitterness is not a part of my being, as far as I can tell, right? I don't want to be prideful about it. I might mess up at some point. Um, but as of right now, bitterness is not, it's just not, it's not a thing that I want to do. It's not a thing that I want to sit in towards other people, all right? Now, there are areas where I still need to get over bitterness towards myself specifically, because that's really the enemy attacks me a lot, is that kingdom of self, um, but the other area that I know that I know that I know is when it comes to praying for other people, man. You put me in front of anybody, anybody, and I know God has a word for them. I know that God has something to say to them. Or if somebody is, is sick, um, you know, the prayer may not always manifest right away, but um, man, do I love praying for healing. I just, I get it and I just go. Those are two areas. And there are plenty of other areas that I probably am in faith in that I just am not thinking of, which is okay. Um, but I want to encourage you guys. That there are areas that you have that you are righteous in. Mm-hmm. And I don't want you guys to walk away from this and go, man, they're just, I just, I'm not at peace. I can't believe I'm not, like, I'm not righteous enough. Look, man, like, that's a lie. We're all in a process, mm-hmm. right? And I, I want to just say that because... Like I said, the my main like battle with the enemy recently that the Lord has been helping me through is just with accusation, especially accusation towards myself. And like, you are righteous enough. You are. Alright? Like, it doesn't matter the area. You are. You're righteous enough. And you have enough faith. We just have to remove the enemy from tricking you all the time. Because that's just what he's doing. Alright? Um, screen turned off. So I say to all that to say that you have peace that is accessible all the time. You just gotta lay hold of it. You gotta grab it. Don't let it go. Yeah. Alright? God isn't gonna give you something that He already gave you. Be redundant. <laughs> he gave you peace. Yeah. Stop dropping it. Yeah. <laughs> how do you drop it? Well, you commit a sin. <laughs> That's how you do it. <laughs> so please, stop committing sins and just stay righteous all the time. <laughs> um, yeah. So, the thing about peace is that the peace that the Holy Ghost brings us through righteousness will lead us to joy. Um, joy in this verse is the word kara. And it is... Uh, Strong's G5479 and I love this definition Savannah and I have talked about this definition quite a few times and it is defined as cheerfulness or a calm delight (coughs) what's the word? calm delight no no what's the word? Kara? Kara. 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 like charis charis means joyful gift slash grace so it's not always expressive? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's very calm. Awesome. Cool. I like that. I like that because yeah. I get that. Yeah, same, right? Yeah. 
So here's the thing, is that um, the joy of the Holy Ghost, the joy of heaven, is not showy. Amen. And it does not demand attention because it is content with the godliness that co-laboring with the Lord is producing. I'm, I'm going to say that again. The joy of the Lord is not showy. Remember, Nehemiah says that the joy of the Lord is our strength, right? The joy of the Lord is not showy. And it does not demand attention because it is content, content, ah, content. It is content with the godliness that co-laboring with the Lord is producing. Amen. Right? And I love that. Because uh, there are many a minister that I've seen like conjure up this showy joy especially when they're on stage preaching and as they conjure it up they get louder thinking that the louder they are the more you'll have faith and experience what they're saying and that's not that's not how God works have you ever heard God just yell at you mm. no and when he does it's not because he's happy <laughs> I will let you know that I had God speak to me audibly when I say audibly I don't mean like the inner quiet voice Amen. I mean he spoke to me woke me up in the middle of the night and it was so loud and thunderous that it shook my bedroom and I thought there was an earthquake but when I checked the news the next day there were no signs of earthquake my toys in my parents bedroom had fallen off the shelves and I didn't know why and no one else in my house knew what was going on because nobody else had experienced it it was not it was not joyous. I'll tell you that. It was not a joyous occasion for me um, because I was in disobedience. But what I will tell you is, being honest, <laughs> but what I will tell you is that when God comes to you joyfully, it's always that inner voice, right? Let me tell you something. I'll ask you guys a question. Maybe you have. I personally have never. God has always spoke to me calmly. Well, when he's happy. <laughs> when he's happy, he has always spoke to me calmly. When he's joyous, he's always spoke to me calmly. When he's delighted in me, it's never, Hey, buddy! It's always, You're my beloved son, and I'm pleased with you. Like, a couple weeks, was it last week? I think it was last week. I went upstairs to feed the dog, so I give Max his medicine. I was sitting up there, I was watching the meat, and, you know, he's been helping me work through, like, um just this accusation stuff, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just kind of watching the meme, and I start, you know, kind of scrolling through Facebook as I'm singing along with the worship, and uh, he just very calmly, very joyfully was just like, I'm proud of you, and mm. anything else that comes against that is a lie, mm. so don't believe it, yeah. and it was just, you know, had the one single tear, it was a good time, <laughs> but it was, it was, I'm being serious, I actually had the one, I, I don't cry, like, often, like, ask Kate, like, I'm not a crier, um, but had the one tear and I was just like, man, I was just ready to go. It was just a good time, you know, but it was very calm. Okay. I'm not saying that you have to be calm about your joy to, for it to be real. I, that's not what I'm saying. Don't read into what I'm not saying. What I am saying is that the joy of the Holy Ghost, the joy that is in heaven, it does not have to be showy to be real. Mm. Just because it's not showy doesn't mean it's not contagious. Right. Amen. Come on, that's good. Exactly. That's super good. Yeah. Um. So. 2 Corinthians three seventeen says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But that, that freedom only comes through righteousness because if you don't have righteousness, if you're not righteous, then you're just a slave to sin. Right? So again, like when it comes back to everything, when it comes to the Holy Ghost and everything that He's doing in your life, you know, um, Jesus is the one who paid the price to make a way to get you to the Father. The Holy Ghost is the seal that God stamps you with that keeps you there so that you can get sanctified and you can get righteous. Right? Because it's through that righteousness that we prosper. Excuse me. It's through that righteousness that we can handle the gifts that He wants to give us. It's through that righteousness 
that we produce fruit to give to people so they can taste and see that the Lord is good, right? And it's through that righteousness that we have the power of heaven at our disposal because the kingdom of God is in the Holy Ghost, right? That's what we discovered throughout talking about the Holy Ghost. And and the, the kingdom of heaven helps us with our wisdom. It helps us with our knowledge, with our understanding. It helps us have a reverent fear of the Lord because, like, when we get to heaven, if, if we're not looking at, at God as holy, then, well, I'm not sure we deserve to be there anymore. <laughs> like, you know, I'm not sure that, I'm not sure we'll stay there. I don't know. I'm the, when it gets to eternity and all that stuff, like, I'm not sure how that'll work, but, you know, so take what I just said just there with a grain of salt. Um, but you know, when it comes to when it comes to heaven, heaven is full of wise counsel. It's full of understanding and it's full of wisdom and it is full of Jesus Christ. Right? The seven manifested aspects of the Spirit of the Lord is the Spirit of the Lord, which is Jesus, right? Spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. All of those things are fully manifested in heaven. Even the spirit of might part, because it's the spirit of victory, that word might there. And I'll tell you what, in heaven, God doesn't have losers up there. <laughs> All the losers are other places. Yeah. We won't get into that tonight. Um, so, <laughs> he's got the Holy Ghost. It's impossible for him to be a loser anymore. So, uh, I just want to encourage you guys, like, tonight... Um, that, cause I mean, there are so many other ways that we could get into talking about the Holy ghost, but you know, I'm at an hour and seven already and there are plenty of time. Like we have time to ask questions and stuff, but, um, if you guys want, or just time to fellowship really doesn't matter to me. I, I, I don't care as long as the Holy ghost is involved in all of it, but I want to leave you guys with, with two things, I guess, out of all of this, um, is that. When you're praying, pray to the Father. Because when you're talking to Dad, you interact with all three parts of the Godhead. If you're only praying to Jesus or only praying to the Holy Spirit, then you're missing out on two other parts of the Godhead that are vitally important to your relationship with God as a whole, and it will hinder your walk. You will hit a wall. I promise. I've not met one person that hasn't hit a wall if all they ever do is talk to Jesus or talk to the Holy Spirit. Not one. I promise. I counsel, I've counseled a lot of people over the years. Um, two, it's that when you're praying to God and you're talking to God, know that the Holy Spirit is going to show up as the power of heaven in every situation. I want you guys to leave with faith and trust that He's going to be there. And He wants to manifest righteousness, peace, and joy in your life. Alright? And... All of, that, all of that stuff, righteousness, peace, and joy, it all starts with that verse in Isaiah 11. You, you can't have righteousness, peace, and joy without the Holy Ghost being who He is. Amen. Right? Being that spirit of wisdom, spirit of understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, fear of the Lord, because He is the Spirit of the Lord. Um,